GP and have been a GP for, for well over 20 years. And uh, I currently work in Lambeth, and this is an extraordinary practice I work in because it's the bottom two stories of a 17-storey block of flats, and it's in with the, the division bell. So we actually have, when I first started there, this is an honest truth, the first night on call I saw two MPs and I saw a patient who was squatting in one of the local flats, and I thought this is what general practice was about. And we have about 1% to 2% of our patients are MPs and lords and ladies, etc., and then we have the others that are not. And uh, so it's an extraordinary... <laughs> I have to be careful facts in the audience, and she's one of the ones that's not. But, you know, we have an awful lot of patients. So I have to put that... I've also got a conflict of interest. I am a patient, and I have been a patient on and off for the last 50 years, and... I have two children who have been patients on and off for the last 18 and 20 years consecutively. So I just want to sort of set that in the sort of the context. So I've got to talk about the choice agenda, and I think the choice agenda is well-meaning. But I think there is a danger now, like everything else. Choice has been thrown at everything, and it's as if choice is the answer to all of our dreams. And we now have patient choice of a choice of GP, or potentially a choice of GP, choice of commissioning consortia, choice of consultants, choice of treatment, choice of provider organisation, most likely also the choice to provide top-up services if they're not provided by the NHS. And we know that choice is a central plank of this government's agenda and indeed was a central plank of the previous government's agenda. So what of choice? And I thought I'd split it up into looking at the choice of provider, the choice of treatment, and then also to pick up some of the issues about choice versus need. And I'll be brief, because I'll be interested in your views as well. Now, choice of provider. Yes, it does come up in my consultations, but it comes up very, very rarely. Certainly didn't come up yesterday when I was giving a patient the choice, the fact that he's just about to lose his home, his wife, his job, and his, his livelihood if he didn't accept the treatment that I was offering him. The choice didn't really come up there on his side. The choice tends to come up with very complicated surgery. So, for example, a patient of mine in her early 30s who needed a bilateral mastectomy for various reasons, very strong family history of breast cancer. And she researched and I researched and looked long and hard at where we could send the patient and, in fact, found a consultant who we were able to send under the Choose and Book system. Fantastic choice. But the choice of provider for a mother with a Down syndrome child, the elderly patient with dementia, or the drug user I saw yesterday, or even me when I was having my emergency caesarean section said, I don't give an F what you do, doctor, just do it, doesn't really feature very much on an everyday basis. And can I say, I have been a GP, my patients tend to like me, so we do discuss things like this. Sick people, I would argue, do not want choice, they want care. They want to know that the hospital they go to, the consultant and the team is safe, is caring and produces outcomes that will make them better. What we all need is providers who practice evidence-based care. And to quote Winnicott, that all providers are good enough. Or as I heard last week, all providers are above average. And with my own profession and picking up Stephen's point about GPs, yes, I think we ought to have the choice of a good GP. And I do abhor where we get GPs who aren't up to standard, but I have concerns about blaming unacceptable variation, blaming the, the woes of the health service on a few GPs who've been isolated for years, but you know, I'm very happy to put that up. Also, the local hospital, if one thinks about it, is part of the big society. 
a lot of people go, they certainly go and hang around their local hospital. They hang around, they meet, they have coffee, and they smoke cigarettes outside if you only need to walk past St. Thomas's on an average. Now, we know from work that Martin Marshall has done recently that patients do not make good use of comparative data in choosing between clinical providers. And I have, a, an, I have an admission to make here, neither do I as a GP. I rarely look at comparative data, whether the hospital has the best MRSA outcomes, whether the knee replacement is this or that. What I want and what my patients have is whether there's a car park, how far it is away from home, and some of the negative issues, such as a recent death, might prevent or deter patients from going to that hospital. When I first started working in Dulwich, nobody wanted to go to St Francis's Hospital in Dulwich because it used to be the old workhouse. So patients made a choice on the basis of that. So my argument is choice of provider does not really feature high. What about choice of treatment? Well, of course, patients should be given options about the treatment they're going to receive. It'd be nonsense to say that they shouldn't. And we know that patients respond better, well to better information about their treatment. And in my experience, giving patients choice about treatment is about being a good GP. A good GP provides options, discusses alternatives, provides information, gives time, engages others to help the patient to decide. And this is what is good clinical care, and this is what should be done in the consultation. What we have to do is to give patients opportunities for shared decision-making. In my view, the patient is king, and their skills in making a decision based on their own health cannot be underestimated. And again, I think you said it, the patient knows what they want if you give them the right information. I'm excited about the development of the shared decision-making tools and and would welcome and would urge GPs to use these tools such that their patients can make better and informed choices about their own treatment and their own health. Now, what about patient choice and patient need? Now, you've heard some of this already, but patient choice also needs to be put into the context of a cash-strapped NHS, where we need to balance the, the needs of the patient against the reality of a budget. The two are in constant conflict. Where choice is where money is no object, then clearly you can make any choice you want. But we don't live in that sort of society, and we never will. What the GP's role is, and what it should always be, is to balance the needs of the patient against the patient's wants. And that is what the GP does again in the consulting room, time and time and time again. I do have a worry, as was picked up in the previous questions, that we may, as we're building in an inherent conflict of interest uh, within with GP commissioning, where that balance may be skewed, not by the GP skewing it, but by the, the, the perception that it may be skewed, uh, because I don't, I, I trust my... Finally, I'd like to say that branding patients as consumers is not the way forward. Patients are sick, patients are needy, patients are frightened, and patients want a doctor who cares, a doctor who knows what they're doing, and a doctor who listens. Certainly, that's my experience of being a patient. And that's my experience of having two sons as a patient. Thank you very much.